I'm Matt Bronger. This might help. I am not a doctor. This might help. I'm not a professional. Let's have fun. This honestly is a good time. I'm Matt Bronger. This might help the podcast. Hey, welcome to This Might Help with Matt Bronger, the uh, comedy advice podcast that's just for fun. As I always say, if you need clinical help, this is not it. Uh, you should go to therapy like I do uh, if you want, you know, no pressure. But as always, this is for entertainment. We try to keep it funny and we got a, a fun little hook that we do. And that that's what it is. A lot of people do come up to me on the road and say, I really like the podcast. It does kind of ease my day, which great. I think podcasts are here to keep you company, most of all, in this lonely, lonely, dark universe. But um, yeah, it's for fun. Anyway, uh, thanks so much for calling in and for the kind words online. With that, I just want to get right to my guest. Uh, she is uh, a new friend, but a good friend, and uh, someone who I'm a fan of who um, came onto the scene in, in, in a big way, and she's handling it with aplomb. Is that how you say aplomb, I think? Uh, please give it up and please welcome Hannah Einbinder. Hi, Hannah. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm excited to be here. This is my favorite thing to do, truly. Both comedy <laughs> and advice giving. These are my things. <laughs> You're not being facetious? It's no, okay if you are. 100% okay. serious. I am, you know, one of the native Los Angelino over-therapized nice. individuals yes. that you meet in your travels. And that's a big part of who I am. And so I'm really ready to let it out. Good. Yes. You uh, are very funny in your comedy and very open in your comedy and um, a very open person, I, I feel, you know, with, with within reason and all that. Mm -hmm. And very well adjusted for your age. I hope you don't take that for an insult. Yeah. I... I no, I appreciate uh, that. That I better, I, you know, I, I, after all that shit, I, you know, I better, I better be. I think. Well, well, you, 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 you had a good mentor. Uh, I have your mother was on the show too, uh, mm -hmm. Lorraine Newman. For those of you who don't know, um, and she, you know, speaks kind of highly of you, which is not no. <laughs> Look, I believe it <laughs> very highly. Actually, I haven't been to therapy in maybe three weeks. I usually do every two. So that reminds me, I need to text Alan. You, you're in therapy, yeah? I am in therapy. I've been with a woman uh, for for truly 15 years. Whoa. Yeah, wow. after 26. Do the math on that. Sad. That's amazing. <laughs> she, she Bad was, math. You and her have been through a lot. A yeah. Lot. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you think about like what's better meeting someone, you know, kind of like more, more formed and they get you where you are or having them literally watch you grow up. Yeah. It, it does help her having context for things like growth and events, various, you know, relationships and things and patterns in yeah. real time. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really, uh, I think that's really helpful. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think there's also an argument for uh, for just, you know, uh, grabbing therapy wherever you're at, whenever you need it and, mm -hmm. and trying to work backwards from your current perspective, which, as we all know, is uh, distorted by all of our, um, you know, various traumas and fears, et cetera. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I didn't start therapy until later in life than most people. My parents, you know 
put me in front of a therapist when I was, I think, a teen, just to be like, hey, maybe try it. And I got me and this guy just kind of stared at each other. Uh-huh. I, like, I don't have any, you know, because it, cause it's like, I, I didn't, I don't think, I definitely had, you know, sadness and some depression as a child, but nothing that I look back, I definitely had trauma on certain levels, but not to be like, no trauma most kids don't experience, but no trauma most kids don't experience, like being ostracized, being bullied, things like that, you know, uh, where I, even then I was just like, it's the way of the world, man. You know, I just didn't see it as this kind of thing to talk about. Maybe it could have helped me, but I definitely need it once I got into uh, my 20s, though I didn't realize it, and my 30s, which I, thankfully I did. Hmm. You know? so, I got to tell you, when you said the word ostracized, it made me realize that that is the first big word that I remember learning. <laughs> and that just gives you a little clue into what was going down. You know wow. what I mean? That says a okay. lot. Why did I know the word ostracized in second grade? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And if, that was when I started like really getting picked on too with second grade, like mm-hmm. hardcore. And so I think it's funny. It makes me think maybe that is that was that seven years old, basically for me, seven or eight. Is that when that kind of thing just really kicks in when we start forming a little size and our brains get bigger and we're kind of we're kind of little people. I mean, every comedian must come on here and say like that they were bullied. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, bullied it, bu- bullied and or uh, they bullied them. They bullied as well. Oh and, wow! Yeah. Well, yeah. that that's pretty probably typical as a you know as a survival tactic to be like it, get it off of me, put it on somebody else. Oh yeah, seriously. I mean, that's the story of the Irish in America. You know, like, <laughs> hey, at least we're not black. Like that's basically how the whole, you know, kind of the the concept of a white race was formed where it was like, wow. no one had really used that term, you wow. know, it's like, but that's, I don't know why I went so broad, but yeah, it's, it's human to be like, look, stop beating on me. Let's all beat on these guys instead, you know? And it, when you're, when you're a kid and you're bullied, you're like, all right, quit. Listen, let's, this person is yeah. worse than me. The yeah, must- you make fun of for there this over yeah. there. Just stop, you know. It's it's yeah. all deflection. Mustache, <laughs> glasses, disp- disguise, newspaper. He went that way. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Did you start uh, performing when you were young? When you were like a kid, or no? I I was. Um, I mean, I I I uh, I was a an athlete. I was. Um, a uh, competitive cheerleader, <laughs> which is yeah. I remember you said that because we, when we were in uh, Austin, we hung out a lot and we were talking about uh, physicalities, and and I was kind of like, yeah, I, I have to do, I have to work out, you know, or I, I, I it's, it's, it helps me mentally and stuff and physically and all that jazz. But you were kind of like, I did all mine when I was young and ruined my body. Like, I'm using your words. Yes, it's and true. And I was kind of like, wow, you know, but I didn't want to go. What'd you do? (laughs) Like a bunch of us in a room and it's just, and I'm sure you're just like, all right, I'll trot it out. Yes. I was a, 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 a javelin person and you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So you, you did competitive cheerleading. I did. I did. Yeah. It's a very intense world physically and mentally. I would argue maybe mentally more so. Mm -hmm. And, and that says a lot because it's one of the most physically demanding um, difficult sports uh, that a person can do. We have a saying in the cheer community 
um, that athletes lift weights and that cheerleaders lift athletes. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And cheerleaders. And cheerleaders. Well, wow. cheerleaders being the athletes lifted. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it is uh, acrobatics, it is gymnastics, it is dance, it is yeah. high endurance, um, it's, you know, stunting, which is, you know, the uh, lifting of the, and throwing of the, you know, people yeah. in the air. Um, and the injuries, you know, are pretty standard with all of those things, you know, yeah. with kids, you have the hip, the joint pain with, you know, gymnastics, you have possible breaks and various sprains and things like that. And, um, you know, with stunting, you risk falling. And I was a flyer and I fell, you know, you fall every practice, you fall constantly and, you know, um, you're falling from great heights. And so, yeah, that all did uh, do kind of a number on me, but yeah, I, I, it was performance. Like it was in a very good way. Yeah, that's that's the first thing I think of was in terms of, um, you know, anytime uh, I, be, that from my, you know, brief sojourn into sports as a kid. Like I played soccer and like just a, just a taste of football, a dab mm -hmm. on your tongue. Sure. That's it. Um, you know, anytime someone gets injured, it's like, don't gather around. Someone's going to help this person. You want to look away. And so I think of not specifically the injuries, but you getting thrown up in the air. You're not getting thrown up in the air in an empty forest with a bunch of people. There are people <laughs> looking at you while this happens. And yeah, so right. that increases the intensity. Of, of it so you have you have sports but it's it's in motion the cheerleading yeah. thing is like all eyes on you one two three you're going up in the air kick touch your toes and land you know yeah very intense that's really admirable that's amazing i mean it it uh it ingrained in me something that is a both a blessing in my life and a curse in my life because i had really intense coaches and the 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 subculture that is cheerleading is so intense which is like if you're not first you're last and there's yeah. anything short of perfection is a failure i mean it's really like when you think of those russian gymnastics coaches and like how horrific and intense that shit is it's it's very much like that wow and you know when you think of that cult, like you, you really don't understand like they, it, it, there is a ton of um like breaking you down and building you back up yeah um, you know a lot of like pain is weakness leaving the body like yeah. all these like shit marines are fucking yeah. you know no, everything you said is military that i was yeah. yeah 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 it's very that um it's very 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 that so uh that you know that leaves a, a lasting impression and so it, it creates a really intense work ethic mm -hmm. um when you're working at a craft yeah. Um, the transition from like, you know, cheerleading to stand up comedy is interesting because cheerleading, like there is objectively a correct way to do things and a correct way to master things. Whereas stand up is just, you're just chasing the dragon, you know, yeah. forever. Um, mm -hmm. No way to master it. Completely subjective. You know, mm -hmm. the best comedian. There's no such thing as the best comedian. It's fully based on the taste of strangers. So it's really yeah. healthy for me. I love that about it. Yeah. No, I did. I did too. I, I was never jealous of of uh, professional athletes because it's mm -hmm. just all or nothing, and there's rankings, and they're undeniable for the most part. Um, uh, and it, it's nothing. Uh, I mean, I would say dance or something would be maybe be the most objective but yeah i mean that's one thing i like about stand-up is that someone could get a line off and you're like oh i did not see that coming out of that person that was really cool yeah you know, totally. the, the, 
the equivalent of a guy who whose face is covered in blood getting his ass kicked <laughs> in a boxing match and he gets a real good shot in that staggers this guy yeah. that you think is going to kill him like to use a really weird and awful analogy i i'm reminded um i was like you know you have those things you, you you've said in your life where you're like wow i got it i got that one off you know mm -hmm. like i can't believe that came out of me and it's still one of the things just no one heard me but one guy who was awful but <laughs> it's like i'll i'll always have this moment so we had this we had this open mic in chicago that me and uh, all my friends who started there started in called the lion's den where you'd go and you'd sign up and then they'd really ring a bell and you had to have your name in by the time the bell rang and but as long as you got in there we you know everybody got up and so it'd be like you know 50 people in a night everyone did like five minutes and we always kind of try to push ourselves to do like a new five and there's this one guy who i won't mention his name but he basically saw himself as like kind of a bill hicks dude and like i'm edgy i'm cool mm -hmm. and really you know kind of obnoxious i got along with him fine but you know yeah he's a lot so one night there was uh, a guy at the back of the room, a uh, black gentleman who was who had a camera, who was filming like with a with a um, video camera, and uh, he, you know, all all he was doing turns out, everybody found out, not that anyone cared about this guy in the room. He he was filming his friend's set for mm -hmm. his friend, mm -hmm. but the guy who I was talking about, uh, the the dipshit, was like he pulled me aside and was like and. As Dwayne Kennedy, the guy we all looked up to, used to say, Chicago, come for the food, stay for the segregation. Like, it's incredibly segregated, even now. Uh, you know, North is all white, South is, you know, very black, so is the West. So this guy, who's a white guy, pulls me aside and goes, hey, they're filming us. I'm like, who's they, man? He's like, that guy. He's like, you didn't know this? They'll film our sets and take our jokes and take them to the South Side. Oh my God. It's so insane, so racist. But I got off, oh, like bring it on, but in reverse and stupid shit. Like, <laughs> and he's like, huh? Like, I don't even know if you've ever seen bring it on. Yeah. For those of you listening, bring it on. Basically, the white cheerleaders steal the black cheerleaders moves and film them and take them back to the rich white school. So I was like, yeah, well, I knew it was horse shit. I knew that guy was not doing that. Like, they're not going to steal my jokes about roller skating with a sparkler in each hand. They're just not. <laughs> they're not. There's no one that's gonna, it's like, who, the joke is so dumb and it relies on my dumb physical comedy, but it's like, I always like remember, like, I'm sorry I had to share that so No, long. but you know what? It's, it is such a beautiful uh, sort of um, meeting of my, of these two interests like that, the reverse bring it on is like, I am the one, the target demo of one for that. Yes, I, that's why I had to share it. Cause you know, <laughs> I'm sure that movie, you know, that movie world. Life. that's what I saw that movie. And I was like, oh, I will do this now. <laughs> like I, that's how I found out about cheerleading. Is that right? That movie yeah. got you into yeah. it? Yeah. Oh my 100%. goodness. Changed my life. That's wild. Yeah. So when, when were you just like, all right, I'm done with this and yeah. I'm looking at other things or. Wait, to clarify, not the cultural appropriation part. I wasn't like, oh yeah, want to get involved. No, I just. I kind was, of assumed. I just went yeah, ahead and that. First, you know, you gotta <laughs> say, but um, yeah, just the like sport itself. Um, but uh, I stopped doing that. You know, I, it kind of fizzled out because my, my team was very competitive. And then when I went to high school, my, uh, the high school's team was very bad. Um, uh -huh just like by comparison um yeah. 
And so I kind of like gradually lost a lot of my skills. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember the last round off back handspring tuck I threw on turf and, you know, uh, it, uh, you know, Simone Biles, she, um, and, and look, this is not going to be a comparison to me and Simone Biles. And I want to just get in front of that. I think you guys in the same category, but go on. I don't know about that but you know she described when she was saying you know my you know i'm having trouble at practice yeah. she described a little bit of that fear mm-hmm. and i have in my own small way on a far smaller scale experienced the exact same thing where yeah. you are physically throwing your body in the air and something some switch flips and you no longer see it you, you get you, you become scared of something that you've done for so long and you yeah. kind of watch it slip away. Yeah. And, um, that day, um, that I remember so vividly, like trying to throw this, this tumbling pass and, uh, doing a round up back handspring, but the, the uh, tuck is a, a backflip is a flip with yeah. no hands. Okay. Um, the, the act of doing the tuck, um, because I was out of practice and not, you know, training properly, it scared me and I couldn't do it. And I walked away and I, you know, from that day on, it just, it just, you know, I gave up. Um, and, and it was, it was sad. That's was a, sad. that's a natural progression. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see that as a failure at all. I see that as like, that's, you did this thing. And then it was like, cause I mean, come on, talk about something you age out of. Yeah. hundred I mean, percent. Any, I think anything physically competitive, how can you not? 100%. How can you not? You so, know? True. so true. And good thing you didn't just go like have that, that psycho Ayn Rand mentality where you're like, <laughs> I'm just going to keep, yeah. I'm just going to go until I'm really hurt. Just like, a 57 year old LA Rams. Yes. You know, mm. spirit. But by the way, there is no there is no way to do cheerleading as a, a profession. Like it is a unless you open a gym and open a small business and coach and create a team with you know a team name with you know various teams as a part of that gym. So there'll be you know the team, and then there's all girl level five, all girl level four, all girl level three, small, all girl, large, all girl, you know, you have like various teams within one gym. It's the only way to be involved in cheerleading and have it be a bit like, there's no Olympics. There's no professional football. There's no professional basketball. Those cheerleaders that are at those games are dancers with pom-poms. They're not doing stats. So it's like this fucked up thing where every girl who does this sport girl or guy, you know, there is an end point. And at the same time, you have to give everything you have to it. Yeah. And so yeah. it's just this thing with this expiration date and no one tells you that when you get into it, you don't yeah. know. So it's all, all of us have that at one point where we have to walk away from something that was an identity for so long. Whoa. Um, it's pretty intense. Um, but the transition into um, stand-up happened much later in, in college. Uh, I was kind of a stoner, like mm-hmm. the whole time I was on high school cheer. Um, and that was kind of like my identity kind of shifted into that zone, just like such a weed head. Like that was, you know, those people who like sto- being a stoner is their entire personality. Yeah. Or it, it, it picks up uh, like 
70 percent of their life yeah yeah Yeah. um yeah that was that was me for a a great deal of uh, high school and uh, the first half of college and then I I joined the improv team in college um and from there the comedy thing just started pretty randomly some like a guy I was working with um at school was like, you're funny. You should try out for the improv team. I'm the president of the team. You should try out. I was like, okay. And literally. Recruiter. Yeah. <laughs> I got drafted into the improv world <laughs> as we all do. Yeah. yeah. My, my friend, had, uh, my friend CJ Sullivan had this great joke about, he's like, yeah, I mean, I was discovered young, like a model guy. <laughs> guy just saw me in a, in a, in a ball pit at McDonald's, the ball in my mouth, making faces. He's like, you got the stuff, kid, stay fat. Like that's such a perfect <laughs> like <laughs> short joke. Oh my god! But yeah, I mean, I, I I waited tables in Chicago and was just trying to get do acting in that town. And then I had guys and 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 gals who worked who did who did the improv and were like, oh, you should you should start taking classes. And I'm just like, I don't even know what this is. Yeah. And then I kind of that was that was me. That was that's where that's where I got started. Yeah. It. And it's interesting to get at in that era. There was no. Imp- Improvisers and stand-ups didn't even talk. They hated each other. It was like beyond Hatfields and McCoys back then in Chicago. And like now it's kind of like, not to say we all get along, but... Stand-ups still think improvisers are ridiculous. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure improvisers think stand-ups are, you know, pigs and kind of... And aren't we both right? You know what I mean? No, we're not. Yeah, we're not both wrong. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it's you can take good and bad from both in oh yeah just bushels for sure. Oh, you know stand-up comedians, uh, the beacons of moral purity. Oh, of course, we 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 always have been. Uh, yeah, not self-centered. Uh, nope. Definitely consider other people's feelings and rights. That hundred percent morally mm-hmm. sound. Yeah. Group. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> I remember Dana Gould telling me about you before I'd ever seen you. I'd met you, but uh, at Largo, uh, but I because you came to a show, but I'd never actually seen you stand up. And, and Dana was like, "Oh, she's great." And I was like, oh, "I didn't know this person was funny because you were so quiet when I talked to you first yeah. time." You know, yeah. um, which you know typically is an indicator, like kind of you know still waters run deep and all that jazz. But mm-hmm. you know, like where like. Did you did you start doing stand up after college? Um, that's by the way, that's so nice, and I I love both you and Dana so much. And you too, thanks, buddy. So nice of you to say. Um, uh, I yeah, I started my senior year of college. Uh, okay. Nicole Byer came to our school, and she asked if any of the kids on the improv team wanted to open for her, and that like that. I wrote like eight minutes or whatever the fuck, like 12 minutes or whatever, like oh. <laughs> as, as quickly as I could. Uh, most of which was, you know, obviously unusable garbage, uh, but, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, look, that's the way it goes. But, um, but yeah, I did. I, I the first time I did stand up, like my first like show was opening for her at my school. Whoa. And, um, yeah, I got the bug and, uh, you know, started going to open mics and writing kind of obsessively. And then uh, when I graduated, I moved back home and moved in with my mom and uh, just, you know, got a coffee shop job and started going to open mics. That's great. 
What a, I mean, I love that. It's a, that's such a cool origin origin story because it's not the kind of uh, typical thing which I hear, which is just I tried this and I tried that, and then I, you know, I I just either that or or oh yeah, no, I always wanted to since I was three. Yeah, right, 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 totally. To me, stand-ups were completely aliens when I was a little kid. Like mm -hmm. I really dug them, but I never. I was always like, no, I am an actor. Yeah. You know, kind of thing, and like. Totally. I still do both, but you know, acting's like the friend who sometimes comes along to borrow money or something. Like, <laughs> stand up is basically my wife. Stand up is basically <laughs> the one that's always there for me, or like to take the the to make it more platonic. Stand up's like my 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 buddy, my best friend. That's kind of like there for me all the time. Hundred percent. Yeah. I, anytime I've met somebody who. They just do acting. I'm so knocked out. I'm like, wow, I'm so impressed. No, I, <laughs> yeah. The, the, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would not be able to, uh, yeah, really doing any, like any, doing one, only one thing, whatever that one thing is. It's so, um, I mean, the dream for most people, I think, like sure. a lot of comics are like, I just want to do stand up. And I, for the longest, longest, longest time, was like I'm just a comic dude I don't fucking do any of that shit dude I'm fucking pure dude I'm I'm fucking because David Tell says you got to just be a comic you know what I mean like I was very like uh brainwashed into that that sort of idea that you can that you got to be a pure comic dude don't fucking right. act don't oh, do sure. like, oh yeah I, I when I lived with uh Kyle Kinane and I moved to LA together and like I was working a day job so was he and both terrible day jobs. Uh, I was a PA. He he sold cake decorations over the phone, <laughs> and I started just. I got a I got a manager. I started doing commercials, and I could tell Kyle would like, you know, anytime we get in an argument, he'd be like, "Oh, you're fucking," you like, you kind of rip on that yeah. or whatever, and yeah. I'd be like, "I'm paying for all the beer, pack <laughs> of whack shit," you know, like it was that thing where it was like I knew people that did it. They were just like, whatever, and it's like I had parameters, still do. You know, like I don't even go out for something unless it's okay. This product is fine and it's right. not harmful and totally. for him, you know, uh, uh, and it pays really good. I'm just not yeah. even going to go in kind of thing. Right. It's like, that's not, but like back then, not that I do anything, but I was in a goddamn summer, summer's Eve commercial, not proud. I got a great joke out of it, but you like, what you got to do like, exactly, exactly. But I think it's funny back to you where we should be. I think it's funny that you were like, I'm just a pure stand-up, and the universe was like, oh, yeah? You want a show where you play a fucking stand-up, and you work with a legendary one. It's, How about that? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. cool. It, it, it is crazy, and and um, I have since, like, I'm, I'm all about, and, you know, here we are on the podcast that touches on various ideas around therapy. Sure. Um, I, I am so, like, I am happy to have changed, you know, uh, completely flipped my, my view on it because I now have a more fluid approach where I believe, and I truly do believe this in my heart, that whatever we do creatively is merely an expression of our soul and the medium is irrelevant, whatever, however that comes, if it, if it, we connect with the work. Um, or if we have a funny take on whatever we're doing, um, if we're making people laugh, if we're having a good time, 
that's that is comedy it's not like oh well stand-up is only comp no like that is even the sat like even dramatic shit is you know what is uh one side of 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 the same coin you know yeah um so you know it just like all of my of course and again it all comes back to fear all of my like well i'm just a comic was me being afraid to fail at something new yeah i had already failed at, at stand-up and i was failing all the time at open mics and getting my you know sea legs and i was in a good spot and i was like i'm happy with my comedy you know i'm good here and i don't want to i don't want to start failing again you know yeah. and that's where all that comes from of course um yeah. but uh it's been really it's been really nice to view it as merely um, a beautiful medium with which I, you know, through which I express my being. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I think you saying that and feeling that way genuinely is a, how you got the, the how you got that part on hacks and B why you're so good in it. And mm -hmm. like, it's, it's that thing where I think you have to have a little reluctance and uh, then also a little bit of confidence, well, more than a little, but also, it, 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 you know, like I say this, I've, I've said this a lot on the show, but there was this comic book I liked as a kid called Longshot, and the guy's whole superpower was he was lucky. Like if he would like, like, like there was someone on a train track and a train's coming and he would like run and jump, he would definitely save the person. But mm -hmm. if he went to Vegas, he would lose because it was all about purification of motive. Are you doing this for the right reasons? Wow. You always tell when a performer is or isn't kind of thing. And a lot of people who aren't, they succeed and God bless them. I yes. don't see a problem with it, you know, but it's, it, you, I feel like you're so much better if you're doing it for the art and you're doing it for, for, for who you are mm -hmm. kind of thing where, you know, I always say like, don't get on stage and give the audience what you think they want. Cause you really don't know. Yeah. You, don't know. you might take a left turn and they're like, Oh, this is great. Yeah. I did a, I sat at the store last week and I did like two jokes, two new things I never said and, and both kind of just, eh, not ate it, but like whatever. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I just shot a new special. I got uh, nothing and I'm just digging a hole. Want to help me dig? And I got this huge laugh where people were like, okay, like now we see you. I see yeah. who you are. Okay, great, great. Well, give us something else. Yes, the honesty oh. always break. I like, I, I feel the same way. Like every every time I quote unquote bomb, it is it is a set filled with uh, failed attempts and then honest recoveries that right. crowds are like, ah, you're fine, you know? Totally. Because it's like you just, it is about the connection. Like if you just bomb and you don't say anything about it, you're not there. Totally. You gotta. And nobody wants to see you bomb. Like if you had a show of like these comedians are terrible, laugh at them while like they eat shit. It's like you're gonna you're not getting a, a full house. You're not getting <laughs> yeah. a huge house. People are like, why would I waste my time? That's horrible to watch. Yeah. It's not. You know, it's so bad. I firmly believe people erase it from their memories. I can't really remember um, a lot of times I've seen someone eat it, and I've seen thousands eat it. You know. And it just, but you remember when someone killed, yes. boy, you remember that. You know what? That's so funny. I I am now trying to recall various other, like, friends of mine. And I'm like, not, it's not coming up. Isn't it wild? But I remember, like, yeah, you're so right. It's almost like, it's like weird, like, opposite negativity bias. Yeah. Like, when, it's, when it comes to other people, you, you see the best. But when yeah. it comes to yourself. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I have just such vivid memories of me like coming off stage and apologizing to the host, being like, hey, man, I'm really sorry. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> sorry about that, man. I hope you uh, still want to look me in the eyes. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I'm sure you've also crushed and been like, did I do okay? I think that oh, was, I think it was good. Like, yeah. I remember a guy in Portland, I got off stage and he was like an older local and he just got me so good because like <laughs> I, I destroyed and I get off stage and he goes, that had to hurt. You're right. And I was like, <laughs> like for a second he got, I was like, you screw you, Ron. Yeah. Like, just, he got me so good. Like he knew exactly <laughs> when I went over to, you know, the, the bar to get my coat and just was like in a moment of, of like, look, let's talk. Are you, are you going to be okay? I don't want you to kill yourself tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we're so eager to believe to to hear the you know what we what we're what is looming under the surface that we're bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as much as Mel Gibson sucks, like that episode of The Simpsons where he makes a movie and there's feedback and Homer didn't like he didn't think it was violent enough, and so he changes the entire movie because one yeah. idiot's like comment. Everyone else loved it. You know, one guy was like, and it's just like, that's the guy I'm going to believe. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That yeah. awful guy is is right. Oh, my and God. He's not. <laughs> he's not. Yeah, like, um, what have you taken away from, I mean, have, have you dealt well, do you think, with the, with the, the, the attention and how, how, because that, it shows pretty big, mm. you know? How it has been a lot. It seems like it might. It's it's felt, uh, it has felt like a lot at times. Um, I have been, you know, um, I feel I feel really, I do feel really fortunate. Um, like it it is just such a um, it's like a dream situation, and I could not ask for and I could not ask for one more thing like i'm done mm -hmm. i'm not asking anymore i've done it fast and this is i got it and i'm good um uh but i also am you know i have struggled to uh remain present in the lives of people i love because i am overwhelmed with um various appointments and and things and you know events and meetings and uh the this and the that and i'm on the road and you know um, doing a lot of road stuff. And so, uh, yeah, it has been an adjustment. It has been a new lifestyle that I am struggling to uh, keep up with at times, but I luckily have a lot of really understanding, <laughs> understanding, um, loyal, great friends um, who understand that I'm uh, pretty bad at um, just like any sort of multitasking or any sort of, which is what you got to be able to do. Um, so I'm working on that. Yes, but, of course. It's just an adjustment um, and a, a lovely adjustment that I am grateful for because, you know, uh, it is certainly different than, you know, having a clock in for my fucking opening shift at the coffee shop at, you know, say I'm after a night of various open mics and shows that sure. you know, is just taking years off my life. But um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I that is ever present in my mind, and so I definitely feel like you know, absolutely, uh, the good outweighs the bad. But yeah, it's been it's been an adjustment. Yeah, and listen, you don't have to say disclaimers. I mean, it it is the the a, a dream role on a dream show, 
you know, with a dream co-star. That that goes without saying. It's obvious you're grateful, but it's kind of like I'm just checking in on you because it yeah. it is a lot to be dropped on you. You know, like I mean, I was on the Halloween episode of iCarly in 2007, and like, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Literally, the first <laughs> line, the first line of my new special, I just come out and say and say that as if that's something everybody's thinking that kind of thing. Oh my God! If you look at pictures of me. If I'm, <laughs> there, I'm 40 pounds heavier, and like I have this huge head of curly hair, like I look nothing like myself now. Oh, I don't like, to see a picture of you because I'm in 2007. I was watching the show live, baby. Okay, I fucking saw the shit. Okay. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So. But yeah, it's it's so specific and weird. You know, like it's so fun to have had this IMDb that has all this random. I was like, you know, I was a human uh, crash dummy who came to life in Pushing Daisies. Fucking you forgot? <laughs> How did you forget? But like, it's that's that's the fun of this. Of this yeah, I mean, that's the fun of this business when you see someone you're like, oh my god, you were the kid in Christine, and now look at you, you're a man. And you're at the party, you know, it's, it's yeah. and it's, it's, it's great to kind of just, just own that. And this'll, this'll be one of your, one of your things, which is super rad. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. It's a hell of a, one of a, one of my, it's a hell of a, one of my things, you know? Yes. It's a hell of a, one of your things. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, on that note, I feel like we've covered a lot. And uh, if you're ready, we'll go to the calls. I should tell you, I don't hear them. I don't know what's coming. We got a couple, I do have a couple that people like uh, DM'd me on IG, but Renee does go through these. And uh, so we're not gonna have someone be like, fuck both you guys and hang up. Though that that might be fun. Renee, I, if you get uh, one of those, you can put it through. Uh, don't, but um, <laughs> oh, yeah, you're ready. <laughs> Let's roll the, I'm like tempting fate. <laughs> it's weird if a car hit me. <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> let's roll the first call. I'll shut up. Hey, this one definitely goes out to Hannah Einbinder. So from one bisexual to another bisexual, which I know you won't answer me on Instagram if you're single or not. I just I guess I'll just give up and take the rejection. <laughs> but do you find that, um, can you like have a fulfilling life like with that identity, um, just with like one gendered partner? Um, cause I found that I've struggled with that, like living a monogamous lifestyle or so, yeah, just kind of wondering as a bisexual woman, like we've noticed from you and Ava, yeah, you go girl, um, what, what is like life for bisexuals look like in, in their relationships? And is it something that we have to like, or we resorting to an open one just by identifying that way? I don't mm. know. Let me know. I like your thoughts because you cool. You are a bi pie delicious dish. <laughs> um, I think I should take this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do my part to be a straight white male. You know. You know what? Thank you for your service. Shut up. Obviously, this is all you, Michael. Um, 
You know, I want to thank you for that question. And I, um, I want to let you know that, uh, this idea is something that I think every one of us experiences toys with, you know, it's always kind of bouncing around in all of our heads. And I, I definitely don't think that I'm, you know, an authority figure on this in any way. I can only speak to, you know, my experience. And first of all, I'm sorry that you're, um, you're dealing with that because I, I know how it feels. And, um, a lot of us feel that way. And the beauty of queerness to me is that, you know, um, when you are with someone who sees you fully, um, you are able to express that in a safe and honest way. Um, so that, you know, means that, you know, you can be in any sort of situation, um, that you feel safe in and comfortable in for as long as you feel that way. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, my parents are uh, no longer together and they had a wonderful relationship that yielded to um, semi-adjusted children. And, um, you know, they are in, you know, separate places now. And so, you know, I think to, um, as we know with, and this is kind of a, um, you know, this is not necessarily like the end all be all, but I would say that, you know, uh, various people come in and out of our lives. And as long as you are open to that and respectful to who you're with at the time, um, you know, you don't have to like, I guess you can open your mind to the possibilities of various loves um, and uh, different loves at different times based on how you're feeling. And, you know, the best Thing to do by the way thank you for calling and asking this because the best thing we can do is talk to each other about it um because we are kind of you know the only ones who understand this thing of you know feeling fulfilled in a relationship but having a piece of your identity that is you know seemingly you know if you are in a monogamous relationship quote unquote maybe on hold or you know not feeling uh, as present as the other um but to try to sort of look at the identity as a collective thing that exists within you at all times, regardless of your partner is super important because a lot of that in my experience is internalized by phobia, right? Because that all centers around the idea that, you know, your sexuality is a reflection of the person you are dating. It's not, it's who you are. You will always be who you are. And if that is, if you are bisexual, then that's, you know, not something that uh, is dependent on, your given partner at any, any given time. Um, you know, I, I, I think about this a lot and I, I, I don't, I don't hundred percent know the answer, you know, as more, more than, more than what I've, you know, expressed. I don't, I don't know what it looks like, you know, as someone who's 26, I'm figuring that out. Um, but what I do know is, you know, um, we're not alone. There are a lot of people in our community and, um, you know, there is no limit to what our, what our queerness can allow us to do and experience. And so um, I would just say that, you know, go where you feel you are respected and safe and loved and where you feel happy for as long as you feel that way. And, you know, maybe your life will be full of various loves and um, that's not a bad thing. Um, and uh, I'm trying to make sure I hit all the questions. Was that 
Yeah, no, I think you, I think you, you nailed it, at least as far as my perspective goes, obviously. But also the thing I can say is that as an, as an older person, when I was younger, I would get stuck in the end all be all too much. I would go, well, what if it leads to this? What if it leads to this? What if in the end, stop it. You're so far from the end. And even if you are old, you have to go moment to moment. That's the rule of life mm -hmm. to really to sanity, I think. You know, it's almost like alcoholics are like, I, I never say I'm not gonna drink ever again. I say I'm not gonna drink today because the whole rest of my life is impossible to imagine. And all I can get through is today. So it's not to make it all severe, like life is addiction or life, but, but we do have needs. We do have things we should and shouldn't do, obviously. But I think going, how do you know when you're with this per, you know, how do you like, how do you know if you can only be with this with one person? You won't know until you're with that person. Yeah. And that's really what it is. I think I, I can't speak from the perspective of a bisexual, but I can say from the perspective of a human being who's had a lot of relationships, um, you know, it, you don't, you don't know until you're, you're with that person that won't, won't can't even say fulfill your every need, but fulfills more needs than most mm -hmm. than ever has. And you like fulfilling their needs. It's, it's that the finding that partnership really yeah. like, meeting, meeting someone expressing who you are to them. Um, knowing a hundred percent that they see you and support you as a queer person is, um, is mandatory in a relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, because you know it, it is not a, a pardon the pardon the plan word straight forward thing um you know it it is complex and it is ever evolving and so constant communication around it is is i think the key just to making sure you're checking in with where you are and you know you're getting into you know that those sort of conversations is super important yeah. And that's really scary. Being honest is really scary. It's really scary to hear honesty and really scary to share it. But if I can't even tell you the amount of times where my life would have made so much more sense and would have been so much easier had I just shared exactly how I felt. Mm -hmm. Not that I lied, but ugh, it just, it's just the best policy. And side note, I wish straight didn't mean what it meant because I grew up with black friends who would like say I'm straight in terms of like, I'm okay. Uh -huh. you know, like in terms of like, Hey, do you want a soda? Nah, I'm straight. Like that's the best expression. And I wish, you know, we could use it as human beings and we kind of can't, it just, yeah. it shouldn't mean not gay. You know, it still, it still implies that. Oh, you can say that. Crooked, you know? Oh, oh, you're saying. I'm just saying take the word straight out of it, out of the oh, whole thing. Right. Call right. us hetero whatever you want to call us, you know, whatever we d decide. Oh, but like, you're saying straight implies that I see that queer yeah. is not. Yes, oh, normal my. and or, or you know, like the oh, regular. So I will say, I will say that I actually love, like to me, I hear some people like squares, right? If you meet mm -hmm. a square, they go, that's weird. And that means that weird is a bad word to them. Oh, to sure. me, weird is a very, 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 very good word. It's high praise. Yes. So crooked or weird or whatever. I mean, crooked is nice. Yeah, you know, you know totally. I'm not saying I want to unweird queerness at all. I just want, I just want the term straight to get taken out of it. So, so yeah. it just means like, it just means I don't want another beer. It just means like, I feel okay right now. It just I, means, you know, like, and yeah. everyone uses it. That no, kind totally. Of thing. totally, totally. I, yeah, hundred percent. I was just, I'm saying like more like if somebody were to be like, like the word queer 
mm-hmm. me oh, yeah. synonym of queer is weird. Like yep. Yep. that is, you know, so, uh-huh. so like I actually think it's I think it's good. Yeah. But, I I want to bring back, you know, what like my like older like uncles and things would go. I think that guy's you know weird. like I think we should bring that like you know, ah, that little hold on. Yeah. You know where it, it <laughs> It's just you just show a little <laughs> and you're, bless you. Thank you. You show a little reticence in your face somehow. And <laughs> isn't she hmm, <laughs> so ridiculous? Yes, go on. What are you saying? That that's been one of my favorite things when it's someone's trying to be like wink wink nudge nudge with me. Uh-huh. I'll always be like, I'll just say it. Yeah. To make them feel uncomfortable and they're like, hey, well, hey. And I'm like, no, that wasn't that what you're saying with your weird face? <laughs> what she kisses chicks hey 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 no is that what you meant yeah it's it's so fun yeah just 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 come out with it literally just come out with it that's it so hope that helped caller and and thanks for calling in and 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 sharing the term bye pie which i'd never heard um okay so uh caller number two goddess hannah hi i love you i hope you're having a wonderful day um my advice is i was wondering if my mom and i have always been really close like gilmore girls close and i love her to pieces but as i grow i've kind of began to see her own unhappiness in her own life and how do i grow in my own life without feeling like i need to stick around for the sake of her happiness have a great day Drop that, drop that. First of all, goddess you, mm-hmm. okay? You are the goddess. Um, thank you for calling. Um, Matt, you want to start off on this one? Yeah, so she's basically saying like how she feels kind of held back by her mom. I was, I interpreted it as um, her mom's sadness brings her a great oh. deal of sadness. And so how does she uncouple from it? It sounds, and I don't want to project or, you know, say any, project anything um, onto you, but it, it does sound like some pretty, pretty classic codependence yes. stuff that I yes. am super familiar with. Both my parents are, you know, addicts. They met in AA. And so mm-hmm. codependence is a huge issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that. I relate to that so much. I am someone who struggles with a lot of, you know, anxiety and depression. Both my parents do as well. And so separating those feelings is really, really hard um yeah i would say like my mother and i are extremely close because we're extremely alike mm. and we both have hot tempers we both uh you know very emotional kind of tightly wound and you know i have my thing she has hers but i remember there's a there's a there's a book uh called um uh the great divorce by t.s Eliot lewis what am i saying c.s lewis c.s lewis uh who it's basically an an analogy for the separation between the afterlife and our life and what we make out of into a heaven or a hell and there's one character it's just people who are either they're dead or they're all newly in the next world so Mm -hmm. there's a woman who has lost her child long ago and now she's in the next world and she's she was always i guess a very domineering mother and she's like where's my child and all these angels or whoever's there is are like your child is fine and very happy. Let's talk about you. And she's like, give me my kid. That's my kid. Give Mm -hmm. me my kid. And they're like, it's not your kid. You're you. You're your own you. And that kid is its own 
kid and it's a person and the, she just won't hear it because it, we tend to think mothers own their children. They don't. Um, when I had a daughter, one of the things that was hard for me to accept, but also glorious to accept is she has her life and I have mine. She's going to be in different things than me. I'm going to disagree with her, but I'm going to live and die loving, seeing what she finds in life. Mm -hmm. So you can't let yourself be hostage to your mother's anything. You just can't. You can be as supportive as possible, but in the end, you have to say to yourself, and I would say it out loud, my life is my life and her life is her life. Mm -hmm. So definitely help her with her depression all you can, but there's a certain point where you're allowing yourself to be caged by it. Typically yeah. out of obligation. I always think about all the things my parents gave and sacrificed so I could be where I am. And mm -hmm. I can't ever forget that, but I can't be hostage to it either. I can't yeah. be a dick about it and be like, send me money, man, I'm your kid, you know, but it, it is that it, it's an, it's an interesting point to reach in your life where you realize I am not yours. I'm not part of you. You're, you're you and I'm me. It, does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I would also say that, you know, um, you are clearly a source of joy um, in your in your life, in your mother's life. Um, and so, you know, I have found that encouraging various behaviors that, you know, do um, at least in, in the littlest sense, aid in various, you know, depressive brain chemistries, you know, walks and journaling. And, you know, you know, in my case, it's like a, a meeting here or there, like a CODA or an Al-Anon thing. Like, um, I would say that, you know, you can only help your mother as far as suggesting good behaviors and, and things that, you know, affirmation journals, things like that. Um, checking in with her, being with her as much as, you know, you feel is, uh, still allows you your space and your time. Um, but just really, really trying to ingrain the idea that, you know, it is not your responsibility and that that's not cruel because mm -hmm. even as I say, it's not your responsibility, even, you know, my shit flares up where I go like, well, that's mean, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not. Um, and so I, I would just say to try to create boundaries and do it in a way that feels incredibly intentional, because if it's just loose, it's going to be hard to maintain. Um, so, uh, but I hear you and I feel you, um, and I'm sorry about that, but I, I have faith that you can find a good balance. Yeah. It, it there, you, you have time and you have space and it's, it's going to take some doing. But like I said, you're not hostage to it. You have your own life to lead. So, yeah. Um, and Pep Up, you uh, not only had uh, a super short call, but we knew exactly what you're talking about. So that is, that is rare on the show. We have someone <laughs> rambling forever or they go, yeah, how do you find a new girlfriend? Beep. Come on. <laughs> I, guess, oh, <laughs> I need more. I need more. Uh, okay, so let's get to a couple people wrote in and um, <clears throat> those. One second. Okay. Okay. All right, so first one, no question. Please let Hannah know she was great in hacks. Thanks. Oh, wow. Thank Man. you. 
disagree, but that's very common. <laughs> hmm. Oh, sounds, I hear she's a bitch, but okay. I thought a Bronger doesn't like me on his show. That's so yeah. why just have me on? Me. Just told me right there. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, this one's this one's for me. Uh, whatever happened to Randy the Halloween doll? Kyle, when we were roommates, bought a doll. Is is a man sized doll named Randy that we called Terrifying Randy. I don't mm. know if you heard Kyle's joke. And he was he was like a muscular doll, and he had little short shorts on and like wild eyes and a shock of black hair. And his, we called him Terrifying Randy because you'd get up in the middle of the night to get a glass of water or pee and you'd see his head in the moonlight and be like, Duh! Oh, <laughs> all the time. And a guy that sold it to Kyle, Kyle was walking home and a guy opened a van and went, hey man, you like Halloween? Like it's a whole story. So uh, I get asked about Randy sometimes. I don't know where Randy is. When I moved out, Randy was in Kyle's care. And as far as I know, he gave Randy to another family. Wow. But, Randy went over to live on a ranch. I think, I think Randy got, got taken out behind the barn. Uh, yeah. Randy is, is living with a family in a, on a farm, so to speak. Yeah. Randy's in Halloween heaven. He's... Yes. Yes. Um, oh, wow. Okay. This is tough. How can I overcome my depression when my wife isn't supportive of me? Ooh, mm. passive aggressive, baby. Wow. Um, oh, came out of nowhere. Dang. I felt like, I feel like I ran into a signpost walking through the fog. I did not see <laughs> it coming. <laughs> Um, I, um, support. I mean, I need more. I think I need yeah, more. I think hey, um, whoever undercover Batman 51690 <laughs> is, I mean, Which, by the way, Bruce Wayne, that's what the account should be. <laughs> so undercover, but yeah, Bruce Wayne is what that yeah. is. My, my, uh, my friend works as a location manager and, uh, he, he worked on a Christian Bale Show, uh, movie and my friends are one of those guys he just like well he makes friends with everybody and so christian bale found out he was getting married and he was like hey congratulations mate and he's like and and uh david being crazy goes yeah you should come and object as bruce Wayne." <laughs> and, and, and christian bale goes when is it no and he tells him and he's like it's and he's like, and he's like oh i'm doing a charity but he thought about it can you imagine so just like, and it was this costume. It, oh, in a, a beautiful suit, probably. Oh, as Bruce. I object. Wayne. My name's Bruce Wayne. I'm a millionaire. I own this place. Oh All my right, god! Off, just and don't even Batman. Just asshole. Just asshole the room. Two <laughs> women with him. <laughs> You're all losers. I love Look, that. I know how life works. Um, I am sorry to whoever wrote this because you did say you were depressed and then we just incessantly made fun no, of No, I know, but we've <laughs> talked sorry. about depression. I, dude, I mean it. I mean it. Uh, uh, we all got it. person who wrote, like, if you're watching this, just call. Just call and, you know, share. We, I'd love to get into it with a guest. It's just like we don't have enough information. Yeah. I, I would just say, you know, general depression advice. You know, it, it, is, a, it is a battle. Every day, it is a yeah. battle, and yes. it uh, is a war. It is a battle, and both a battle and a war. And um, it it takes it takes fluids, it takes nutrition, it takes practice, it takes various uh, difficult seeming and difficult in practice things. And um, you know, for me, it's all about making a list, checking it twice. You know, yeah. write shit down, day. try to fit it in when you can. Mm -hmm. um 
intention, 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 you know? And I would also add, uh, only you know you. You know your wife, but not like you know yourself. And just be honest with yourself and go, is she not being supportive or am I asking too much? I'm not saying one or the other is true. Just something you got to figure out. So mm -hmm. anyway, uh, call in. Uh, and specifically, you could be one of those people who, you know, might want to talk to a clinician, might want to talk to a therapist because we are just, yep. you know, couple, couple of fuckers, couple of fuckos, really, <laughs> you know, couple of chuckle fucks. Uh, yep. Oh, here's a fun one. How to act in front of God, parentheses, AKA Gene Smart. <laughs> um, how to act in front of God. Um, yeah, it is. Look, you know, every time I meet her gaze, I dive directly into a um, directly into the depths of the ocean deep. I <laughs> I um, I lose myself and I wake up and we're moving on to the next scene. Um, yeah, you know, um, I have said this uh, many times that Jean is both a god and um, the most accommodating, loving. Mm. Um, supportive person, uh, the most patient person. She, you know, if you met her um, before you had the chance to feel intimidated and scared and like, oh my God, this is Jean smart. She would say something to you and make you laugh or say something to you and make you feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. She goes out of her way to create that comfortability and that ease so that you do actually feel like you're seeing her as the very gorgeous and lovely human being that she is. Mm. Um, it is uh, the most, it is, it is like a, a sound bath. Um, <laughs> like a, what's that thing where you're in your body temperature water and it's dark? A float. Yeah, where you, where, you, where you float like the, the yeah. uh, sent, sensory depri deprivation. Sen sensory deprivation, exactly. It's, mm -hmm. you know, she makes you feel very comfy. It's it's very nice. Um, and I will say you're probably, that's very, that's awesome to hear and not unexpected, but I will say you're one of those people who describes a sensory deprivation tank as something good. <laughs> you know because you've been through it you've been through the therapy you've been through the the trauma and you've dealt with it and all that jazz i had the funniest exchange because my wife loves them like she's like oh, yeah. i'm just floating in there and no stress and no one's calling me you know because she, yeah. she's a she's a manager and i was scared and i did it and i was like i was like this is actually really cool i got out and they were like how was it and i was like interesting and they're like everyone says that you can't say it's all the way good or all the way it's not bad but long story long it was so funny when i mm -hmm. met a very young dude who uh worked like editing videos and things and and uh gifts and stuff like that and he we were all talking about it and he looked over his shoulder like he was at his little station and he was like oh i couldn't take five minutes man <laughs> i was like i thought it was so funny that i was like oh you got a long way to go young guy you got a long way to go. You're definitely a guy, if your Instagram, if Instagram is down, you put a fist through like drywall. It's like- yeah. Packs, snacks, baby. You're gonna be on the road for a while. Need it now. You need it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Answers. You know, I don't want to get in my head. Me? I don't want me. Gross. 
I don't want to release the idea that I am a physical being. I don't want to, I don't want to realize that I am just a soul bouncing around this meat suit. I want to be, I want to go to the gym. All matters is vibrating energy. Go to hell. (laughs) Not on my watch. (laughs) Okay. So this guy has written in this, this a few times and it was, it was, I don't know if you've, if you still do it or not, but your final question, uh, what's the most fun you've ever had smoking weed with a fellow comic? Cameron Farmer is an amazing uh, comedian whose stuff is like kind of alter- like very alternative, kind of like clown adjacent. Um, mm-hmm. They are a dear, dear friend of mine. And um, I have to feel really safe with someone to smoke weed with them because I will go, I will talk, 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 talk. And if I'm with someone who's not on that level, I feel self-conscious and I feel like they're mad at me, you know? So I need to be with someone who's firing, you know, Mm, and just going and going. And, you know, it helps because Cameron is, is such a stoner. Um, and I, whenever I do dabble in the Mary J, which is seldom, but I do revisit her sure. um, from time to time, I want to be with a stoner because I want to be with someone whose brain chemistry formed the way mine did, just constantly suffocated by weed. Right. Um, just from a young age, you know, brain developing, just gripped by mm-hmm. Mary, Mary J. Yeah. So like we think about the world in the exact like it's very similar and so you know being in the park with Cameron under a tree yeah um, going on a walk you know I just love I love them and I love being with them and smoking with them um so really anyone who's really on that level ready to you know get down to it talk about the trees the grass yeah the sky, you know <laughs> just, totally I don't I don't really smoke anymore but you know it's like who knows there might come a time and like either it, it wasn't that long ago I last did, but I never do much. But it's like, yeah, it's if I'm going to climb the mountain, I want a Sherpa. <laughs> Someone who's been up there a lot that are like, look, the thing you don't get about Everest is there's dead bodies everywhere. <laughs> Just get that in your head right now. We tried to make it and it's too cold and high to move them because all we can handle is supplies. So you're going to pass some skeletons. Don't let it freak you out. Such is life. Thing about life is you don't see the skeletons, but they're there. Thanks, Sherpa. <laughs> I'm glad you're adjusted to that because that makes me want to scream into the night. Oh my God. But, By the way, please, is that a bit? No. Oh, please, well, I was going to say write that down. We are I'll recording. write that down. I'll write, that's that my so weed Sherpa bit. Funny. That is so fucking funny. I have to tell you, that is so <laughs> incredibly well, My problem with pot was I would always smoke something insane and like would just... <laughs> go down some wormhole and be like, ah, what's the point of anything? You Let know, me tell you. got so bad. So same. Um, I, at the end of my, my journey as a big stoner, um, it started to get real dark every single time. And I realized that for me to smoke weed, I cannot be inside. I cannot have walls okay. yeah. around me. No walls. Right. If you go there, no walls. You got to be outside. Yeah, you gotta be outside. It's gotta be beautiful, and you gotta be moving. Yeah, 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 yeah. Walk in the daytime, afternoon, possibly evening. Okay, not night. Yeah, 
but a little bit of sun, sun walk and an upper weed, like a sativa, maybe a hybrid. Yeah. That is the, that is the combination. That is the recipe. Yeah. I would or someone who can get crazy in their head. Yeah. High yeah. CBD. So you're not going, you know, 30% THC psychotic right. high CBD ratio. Um, you know, and that's, for me, that has been the key to not losing my fucking mind. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I had, I hit somebody's outside of the Hollywood improv like seven years ago. And it was just <laughs> so aggro that I had to walk around the block on those like <laughs> faceless homes, like probably a hundred times before I went home and I'm just like, this is too goddamn much. Oh, and to be, like, it, like it, it, this is an interesting question because there are comedians that I'm like, oh my God, you're my family. Like, I feel so safe with you. And there are comedians that I'm like, oh, I'm truly in a war zone. Like, this is mm -hmm. scary. Yeah, so exactly. you smoke weed around comedians is such a volatile thing because oh God. It's if insane. you're disarmed, like people will strike. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. I can show no vulnerability. There's no chinks in this armor. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like I'm realizing one of my chief defenses is just kind of going, what the hell is going on? You know, like people like that tend to laugh. And like, I realize it comes out the weirdest times. Like we live in a cul-de-sac. My wife and I were driving, I think we were driving the kid back from daycare and we were going around the corner and there was a, a girl right on the curb who was like, had her dog and looking at her phone and like, is she stepping out? Is she not? Is she? And we're trying to turn and it's like, fuck. And we're like, you know, we're about to go, hey, excuse. And then she notices us and we notice she's basically wearing like a handkerchief for a top. Like she's wearing like a top with full under boob sticking out. Uh -huh. Like, which live your life. I'm but, not judging. But sorry. just kind of she looked up and we saw that. We both saw that. And like just like these pockets of breast coming out the bottom. And sure. and I just went, that what the fuck? What is going on? What's real what's going on? And my wife like fell out laughing to the point where she almost couldn't drive. Cause I was just like, it, it was just so out of nowhere that like we we had, were almost flashed by this person. It's just, and Kara's like, Rose, you dress like that. I'm, you're not going into the house and we're like laughing and stuff. But it was just, it was, it, God bless her. Amazing. But also just like, what, what? Like, I wasn't ready for that at all. Like what's going on? You, you were disarmed by, by her, um, by her, her, uh, her, 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 her. Yeah. And it, and it her made her. me realize there, if I pass someone that is almost naked like that, I, my, my reaction is like, what's happening? You know, and I only say it to myself, like a block away. It's well, not like va va voom. It's not like, well, all right, my day just got better. It's always like, what? Like it, I'm half laughing, half being like, what's, what is, I, I have to say, I strive, I strive to, I, I strive to reach the point of, of like, l like self-love and comfortability that I would in my physical, oh my God, oh my God, in my physical yeah. body. I, like I, I look at that and I look at that person and I'm like, I'll have what she's having, you know, Absolutely. how do you get there? Yeah. How yeah. do, cause I'm, you know, two, t you know, two t-shirts in the winter, right you know, two t-shirts in the summer, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Turtle that, you know, just ankles. Like, I'm like, Oh, is this a little not like, just so just like cover, cover, cover. So yeah, yeah I, I want to know what that person is, what the recipe is there because I'd like a little bit of it.
it's fascinating. There are a lot of women in my neighborhood that are like that. And it's always like, wow, look at you go, you know? And it's uh, the only, the only male equivalent I, I see would be like maybe Silver Lake, maybe West Hollywood and it's gay men, you know, mm -hmm. that are kind of dressing like superheroes or uh, swimmers like, during the day, you know, just like speedos and walking around, which God bless. Yes, you know? God bless is the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. I wish, it, I wish that comfort on all of us. So. Do. this this is the end is there anything you'd like to plug while you're here uh it doesn't have to be a project you're in it could be <laughs> whoops sorry that was that was my catheter <laughs> that was, that was just just urine no that was my that was my phone uh that i use for to see how we're doing on <laughs> that was my catheter matt bronger yes one night only, one man show. What a horrible, horrible autobiography. Uh, wait, isn't he just in his forties? Why does he have a? Um, what? He must have lived real hard. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a project you're in. It, I mean, it can be anything you want. Um, plug. I would love to plug friendship just as an idea. Love it. Just love the concept of that. Sure. Uh, Laughter as well. I want to plug that. Yep. I'm going to go ahead and plug a podcast. It's not my podcast. It's okay. one that I like. Um, I like the podcast Fight Island. It is a, another comedian pod. Mm -hmm. Fight Island. And you should totally do it because you would have so much fun with the hosts. Um, Sam Lyles and Jordan Dahl. It is kind oh, yeah. of like Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've done it three or four times. It's such a fun pod it's super silly super nerdy yeah. um, the last fight the first fight we did was high school archetypes so you basically do three rounds of fighting one is like lightweight middleweight heavyweight i think i did this a thousand years ago it's they're, they're obviously they're, uh, jordan's a denver guy yes right? yeah so mm -hmm. like uh they both are i think right yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. so yes i remember doing yeah, yeah and, you, and you basically pick like what would win kind yeah of thing. Or who? You, right, you go into like the characters, like the homeschool kid, what is his arsenal versus the band geek versus, you know, whatever. Sure. Um, it's just my, one of my fave pods, gotta say. Mm -hmm. um, love it. Love it and, you know, check it out. Those those two are really awesome, so. Nice. Well, thanks for coming on. This this like kickstarted my day in an awesome way. I appreciate you coming on and um, I hope you had a good time. Oh my God, so thank you. You are just a riot. I love hanging and laughing with you, man. You too. You too. Thanks, Hannah. For sure. That was amazing. Don't you want to be a part of this? Come on. Got any problems, any beefs, no matter how big or small, we'll deal with them in a fun way. Call in now at 323-763-0228. Again, that's 323-763-0228. And thanks. This Might Help with Matt Bronger was created and hosted by me, Matt Bronger. Produced by Outer Circle Media. Executive producers Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcasts.